Hi, my name is Tracy Cook, and I help female business owners to launch a profitable podcast in 90 days, even if you have zero experience or audience. Welcome today to the Visionary Women's Series. I've got Kathleen Bartholomew with me, and on today's episode, we have the honour of speaking to a visionary leader. She's not just making an impact in her field, she's shaping the future of it, and you'll want to hear what she has to say about innovation, success, and the power of determination. Get ready to be inspired by a woman who is pushing boundaries of what is possible and breaking records and making history to be able to connect and to be able to create a culture and movements worth furthering. Kathleen, very, very welcome to Visionary Women. And who are you and what do you do? (laughs) Thank you, Tracy. It's wonderful to be here. Um, so I am a nurse. I've, I've been a nurse for years, uh, but it didn't actually start out that way. Uh, the only reason I'm a nurse is because when I went to get a divorce, the attorney said, if you put your hand on this Bible and swear to me that you'll become a nurse, I'll do your whole divorce for nothing. And that sent me spiraling into a career that I didn't expect would be so wonderful. So what I do now for the last 21 years has been speaking to organizations and individuals and small groups about their culture and and the importance of relationships and communication and, and how to take a hold of your culture and create what you want. I mean, basically the ingredients of community so that any group can thrive. What kind of things do you see that are really prevalent, especially since the world went crazy in the last two years as well, with the shifts in culture and the shifts in how we work and why we work? What are the biggest things that have stood out to you? Uh, One of the things is that trust has decreased in, uh, in, in my profession for all professionals. And I wonder if it hasn't decreased uh, for everyone. I, I look at what might cause that. And I think it's because we're not having those intimate conversations where we look into each other's eyes as much. Uh, it's not the same on Zoom. And uh, also the impact of digital media. So we have a tendency, in fact, one nurse said, I wish you would have just texted me the job interview, I would have felt more comfortable. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, like, wow. what can I tell about you from a text? You know, I can't tell anything from about you. So um, what I notice is that stress has increased and that we have to really stay present in our own power, in our own energy, grounded, and self-care is so important. It's more important than anything else. And what would you recommend for, for self-care? Because everyone's different, everyone's unique, everyone's life work balance is different as well. But what would you say would be a couple of the top tips that you would recommend um, highly for self-care? The first one would be to listen to your body. Your body is really what is going to take you. It's the instrument that takes you through this lifetime. And we don't ask it. We don't stop and ask, what food do you want to eat? Um, What does the moment call for is something that I say several times a day. And whatever my body answers, I'll do it. It feels like a bath and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Um, So you have to stop in order to listen to your body. You have to pause. And the other thing is that, you know, our medicine is really food. And the the, the fresh food that you put in your body. I, I, I am dumbfounded about what I constantly learning about the ingredients of processed foods. And it's very, very important. Definitely. Now, I know that you're um, very passionate um, in the, the nursing and healthcare uh, field. 
And we were talking pre-show about a couple of the um, articles that you do have coming up. I know that you're an avid writer um, and I know that you've got a lot of visionary um, opinions um, and uh, creating enlightening conversations around um, transforming healthcare, especially within the nursing um, profession. What are your views around that? And tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I would love to, because right now uh, we just had a strike end of 7,000 nurses in New York City. And people are, uh, that was based on the short staffing and the staffing ratios of how many uh, patients a nurse can take care of. But one of those hospitals is actually uh, short, has 700 vacant positions. Um, At the, well, let me tie that in with the pandemic. When the pandemic hit, I had a chance to stop, didn't we all? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And think, you know, what is my legacy to the world? You know, what have I been doing for the last 21 years? And I realized that even though I'm an expert on nurse to nurse hostility, peer relationships, culture, teamwork, and leadership, that I had been treating the symptoms. And the real problem is actually the system. So the system in the United States is wired to profit on disease and illness instead of wired to profit on wellness or to benefit. And therefore, the health of our entire country is on a downward trend. It has been. Our life expectancy is going down. Half of our nation suffers from one of the top five chronic diseases. So my vision is that of, uh, I got together with a few people and Dr. John Silver suggested, why isn't health uh, as important as water or electricity? And I was like, oh, the light bulbs just went off in my brain. I'm like, yes, yes. You know, so that's how easy it should be. Not these middlemen and the insurance and people losing their houses and going bankrupt. My brother going back to work at 60 years old, working in a warehouse because he can't cover the $1,900 a month. And if we're just for insurance for his family. So there's this big game and I don't think that we see it. And the game's got to end. I mean, what if electricity was just like <laughs> healthcare? Oh my gosh, the nation would be a mess. But I don't think the United States, in, we don't un- seem to understand that the economic and political strength of our nation is, is directly related to the health of our citizens. Any country's is. Mm. Because in um, the US as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have to pay for health insurance. There's no option for that or you actually get billed. Is that correct? Oh, yes. And and exorbitant amounts that vary depending on what you live. So, you know, your health is determined by where you live. What zip code are you in? Are you a lucky person who lives in a good zip code, you know, or not? I mean, we have big hospitals that are surrounded by poverty. There's not a responsibility for the hospitals to take care of the communities. There's not enough incentives. They use their financial incentives mostly to pay for people who can't pay the exorbitant costs. So, I mean, if I'm hurting on a trip and I need an MRI, it's $350. If I'm in the United States, it's $3,000. I mean, the, uh, there's a study called the Dartmouth study, the Dartmouth Atlas that you can Google, and it just shows how ridiculously ridiculous Wild West prices are all over the place. That's absolutely amazing because the the healthcare system in Australia is we've got something called Medicare. So out of our um, our salaries, then um, and our wages, a portion of that actually the government takes and it goes towards Medicare. So we've got a lot of very a lot of people knock it, but our our public healthcare system here is actually quite good. Sometimes, yes, you may be on a wait list for you know some elective surgery. You may have to wait a year, uh, but we've also 
also got uh, you know private health as well but um i i feel very fortunate um in australia that our healthcare system um our public system um we it doesn't matter what uh, socioeconomic um, uh, background you're in or suburb you're in, you can walk into a hospital and you can get, um, you know, treatment for anything and there's no um, usually out-of-pocket uh, through our Medicare system. So it absolutely amazes me when I hear things like this. Like you said, you could be somewhere overseas, MRI costs $350. In America, you know, you maybe build, um, you know, governments and politicians, you know, $3,000. That absolutely amazes me and I think a light bulb went off for me as well when you said it should be right up there, you know, with, with electricity <laughs> really, shouldn't it? It should be one well, of the, you you know, know, we our, have, our top yes. priorities. Mm -hmm. We do have uh, Medicare, but people don't believe that it's for everybody. So um, basically, um, in America, there is not a belief that everyone deserves health care. Health care is a business primarily and not a service. So what I would like to see is nursing, my profession, uh, reclaiming health care as a primary service that everyone is entitled to. Um, and you talked about differences. Wow, we have big differences in mortality, especially according to race in many areas, especially maternal child care. It's embarrassing. That's absolutely outstanding. So talk to me a little bit about, uh, we were talking pre-show about an article that you're writing in the future. Can you um, divulge any of that at the moment or are you still in that writing process? Because I find that quite fascinating on uh, what you would actually look back as um, as, a, as an experience in the healthcare system. Oh, no, I, I just, um, no, the article will be published in March and it's called The Solar Punk Nurse. And solar punk is a literary genre, you know, that really it's uh, something that's instead of a dystopian future, it, it paints a future that works for everybody. So that's what I like so much about it. And uh, unfortunately, capitalism doesn't always work in that fu- in that uh, <laughs> picture. But so when I talk about nursing, I talk about the fact that nurses have moved out of the hospital because we've kept our communities healthy. And I talk about more than 50% of the people work in public health, not in hospitals, because, you know, we, there's no need to do all these expensive surgeries because we now focus on the causes of disease, which are the social determinants of health, like food and, and poverty and transportation. So we know what causes disease, but we haven't focused on it yet. So I look back and, and, and show how proud our nation is after 10 years that we've decreased the depression and anxiety in our youth because that is trending upward terribly. Um, I don't know if that's something that's happening around the world. And I do think that, you know, digital media has something to do with that and our time together. So, Very so I'm excited so. about uh, I'm exciting, uh, excited about painting a future where we take care of each other. Wouldn't that be an absolutely wonderful place to be? It all just starts with a with a friendly smile and a listening ear and a and a um you know an empathetic heart, putting yourself into somebody else's shoes and just going, I'm just going to take a, a a breath for a moment before I become a keyboard warrior or before I actually go into um reaction mode and just take a moment and just care for another human being. Um, you know, it a lot of things are going on in the world, but if we just show more care, empathy, and and love and hope, uh. Maybe the world will change and uh, then we can just be a, a brighter, happier, healthier future. It's not ever going to be perfect by any means, but 
you know, um, just that human connection that creates that culture, that creates that that change and that movement in people just to to see people and just to be a good bloody human. Right, right, exactly. But, you know, I think one of the impediments to caring is not realizing that each and every one of us is important. So my mantra is, with dauntless love and compassion, I call myself and others to honor the sacred moments when human beings connect and to realize that who we are, what we say, and what we do matters. Mm, I felt that. That is, that's absolutely powerful. And it does yeah, matter. Together, mm-hmm, mm. together we can create a, a, a better world. We can definitely cre- create a better world. Absolutely, we just have to. Um, we just have to realize everybody matters. Everybody right. has and, merit. Everybody has worth. Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I'd like to share the one of the most important things that I've learned over the last twenty years teaching is that I didn't know that voice, power, and self-esteem were synonyms. They're all the same thing. They mean the exact same thing. When you can stand in your power. You have your voice and you can say what you think and feel and your self-esteem is high. So there's only um, three kinds of communication, uh, assertive, passive, aggressive, and aggressive. And only assertive communication has a high sense of self-esteem. The other two, passive, aggressive, and aggressive, have lower senses of self-esteem. So it was just interesting to me that voice is so important because I've done a lot of studies. And um, when I ask an audience, if I could guarantee you in writing that a conversation would turn out all right, would you take my written guarantee and go have a conversation with somebody? And in every audience, like 98% says yes, if I had a guarantee. And I'm like, wow. And then I rip up the piece of paper right in front of them and say, imagine the person is sitting next to you right now, and you're going to have a conversation without the guarantee. How would you rate it on a pain scale from zero to 10? And 80% of every audience says eight, nine, or 10. And I ask, why? Why? I don't, I don't want to know who you're going to talk to. That's not important. Or what you're going to say. That's not important. Let me tell you what the most important thing is, is what is the reason that you are not speaking? Why are you self-silencing? And the answers never change and they're always the same. And the number one answer is fear of retaliation. And when I ask people what retaliation looks like, they'll say, somebody ghosting me, ignoring me, humiliating me, outing me, because the greatest need of the soul is for belonging. And so, you know, I've I noticed these five or six major fears, fear of making the situation worse. But fear is, is how any oppressed group feels. And so in order to, to step out of that, you have to find your voice. Mm. And in little things, in little things, in what you want for dinner, if, if when somebody has said something, you know, invited you somewhere and you really don't want what they have, don't eat it. Don't pretend you like it. I mean, I'm not talking about you know, voices that say, no, I'm not going to vote for abortion or I will. I'm talking about like in everyday situations, be true to you. Well, everyone else is taken. So we've only got ourselves and just feel so good to be authentic. And we can still have a voice and still be respectful. We can still have a voice and still respect the room that we're in. 
And I think once we actually step into that power and we really claim that authenticity, just feels so good. And everyone around you feels good. The energy changes. You know, the universe is made of energy. The energy changes. And you're seen for who you really are. What a powerful place to be that is. Yes, and you're on this show doing that all the time. (laughs) And a great example to everyone. Oh, thank you you very much. And if you can't do that, then imagine it. Like imagine standing in your power. Imagine what it would feel like to, to be free to be yourself. Because that's what the world needs more than anything, is each and every one of us to, to take that step forward and say, here I am. Mm. You talk a lot about leadership um, as well. What do you think um, or what would you predict the, the trend uh, coming up for leadership as well? Do you see a shift? Do you see a change? Or is it still the same foundations for, for leadership? Because I, I believe the world really needs leaders now more than anything. What's your opinions around that? Oh, thanks for asking. I see a crisis in leadership right now, and I see that it's going to change. And to me, a leader is going to be someone who uh, cares for and lifts up the, the people that they are with, who, who, who literally creates the environment of trust and safety and security so everyone can be themselves. I wrote an article called Community in the Workplace years ago about how do you create a community of people who just have each other's backs at every minute? Because when you're in that psychological safe, sa- psychologically safe environment, you thrive. You come up with creative ideas. You're not afraid to, to share an idea, even though it sounds crazy. And that's where our creativity is, unleashed. Mm, mm. I, I, I've got um, some very big opinions about leadership. And I Tell think me. if you lead with your heart, um, yes. and I used to work for a, a corporation um, in corporate, and the leader there was much, much younger than me, much, much younger. And her, you always felt like you had a voice. You always felt like you had a a safe place to share things. You were never shut down. You were always appreciated. You were always recognized. And just being able to be listened to, to feel inclusive and to have an even playing field around that. And I really adopted and I really loved the way that she led because her door was always open. You could go to her with absolutely anything and you could say, look, I'm only running at 60% today. I've had a really crappy week. I haven't slept. My kids are sick, you know, the dogs at the vets, whatever. And she would say, okay, so what are we going to put in place to support you? Would you like to change seats? Would you like to take a different lunch break, et cetera? And I think that is just true leadership. They're meeting you where you're at, not with a boss mentality that limits your growth and makes you into a human robot. And when you adopt that kind of leadership where you see each and every single person, not just a whole room sitting in a cubicle full of human robots, I think that's where leadership should should go. And I think that is where leadership should actually thrive. Yep, that's what I meant by the word caring. Because um, that's exactly what I did, and that's exactly what I created when I was the manager of a 52-bed unit. And uh, 
it's caring. That's what your heart, it, it's about caring about the individual. Um, but I think that when you talk about leadership, uh, one of the jobs of leaders is to me to dismantle the hierarchy. Nobody is more important than you. You're, you know, so when you can, you can teach people that there's no hierarchy. This, this, the manager is not important than the secretary and the secretary is not more important than the housekeeper and the housekeeper is not more important, et cetera. Like, so there's this hierarchy that we have in our mind, but when you can dismantle that hierarchy and how do you do that as a leader? By being willing to do anyone's job at any time. Let me help you clean that room. Let me help you get that report out. Let, you know, like you said, my door is always open. Here I am to serve a servant leader. Mm, 100%. And uh, my mentor many years ago uh, said to me, you just reminded me, it says, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And we were out at a a company meeting and the waiter actually spilt something on the floor and our our CEO got up and actually helped him pick up all the stuff off the floor. And I didn't realize that what I was witnessing at the time, my thought back then was, why is the CEO getting up doing that? Now I realize the different forms of leadership and I think, wow, that is a leader. Great, great, yes. And what kind of um, message would you like to leave our audience on today, Kathleen? I'm so happy to be here and to have this opportunity and to share, you know, my journey and that I, I just hope that you found some of it valuable. I'm here to here to serve and help in any way that I can, because I believe that together we can create a world where everyone matters. Mm. And we do that with our voice and we do that with our choices and we anchor that in ourselves and we are all more than enough. We are more than enough. Kathleen, as always, absolutely invaluable. Join us once again on the Visionary Women series on our next episode. We really thank you and we are humbly grateful for who you are and the changes that you're making in the world. Don't forget to subscribe, share and comment so you can be a change maker in the world as well. And thank you to the Visionary Women series. Bye for now, Kathleen. Bye-bye, Tracy.